0: Broadcasting from the Business Radio X studio in Alpharetta, it's time for Profit Sense with Bill McDermott.
1: Good morning. Welcome to Profit Sense. This podcast dives into the stories behind some of Atlanta's successful businesses and business owners and the professionals that advise them. We help local business leaders get the word out about the important work they're doing to serve their market their community, and their profession, as well as discuss current issues that business owners are facing today across a wide variety of industries. I'm your host, Bill McDermott, and this show is presented by The Profitability Coach. When business owners want to increase their profitability, they often don't have the expertise to know where to start or what to do. I leverage my knowledge and relationships from 32 years in banking to identify the hurdles getting in the way and create a plan to deliver profitability they never thought possible. We have three great guests on the show today, and I just want to welcome each one of them. Uh, Jonathan Strack with Strack Incorporated. Jonathan, welcome to Profit Sense. Thank you very much. And Eric Cooley, also with Strack. Eric, welcome to Profit Sense today. Thank you, Bill. And then Chris Smith. Uh, Chris, welcome to Profit Sense. So glad you're here. Yeah, thank you, Bill. Thanks for having me. So Jonathan and uh Eric, I'm going to start with you. You know, we all know there's a war for talent out there in the industry, uh especially in the construction industry, but I think across the board it's it's really hard uh to find great people. Uh but you and your management team have done a fabulous job of building the business over a period of time. So, you know, I don't want you to uh, reveal any trade secrets here, but uh, you know you've been in business for seventy five years. You know how do you use that to attract top talent to the company, Jonathan?
2: Yeah, just being in business for seventy five years, you've got great relationships, you've got stability, we've got a really good long running reputation for quality, treating people well, doing a good job, and being fair. So from that regard, it helps us sell ourselves. Um, but you know, try, trying to find talent, um, you're competing against everybody in, in a really saturated market. So, we we really had to rethink, you know, how we went about attracting and retaining folks. Um, had to get used to being on social media and hire some additional staff we've never had before. So, that's just part of a evolution of 75 years of business and changing times, you know.
1: Sure, and Eric, I know there was a time uh I want to say maybe 5 or 6 years ago when you joined Strack and I'm sure with your background and experience you could probably go just about anywhere. Uh what attracted you uh to Strack to become CFO there?
0: Yeah, for me it was it was the the longevity of the company, the the reputation in the marketplace, it's the uh the family feel that really has a strong family culture again. We've, we've doubled in size over the last three years. We're near, nearly 600 employees at this point. Wow. But it's just th- this feeling that you're not just a number there. So you're really, you're, you mean, mean something to the team, no matter where you sit in the organization. And so just that culture, it, it's hard to find that. I I have a background in, in, in the corporate side. I've done some private equity. And so just having this feeling of a like a belonging there is, was important to me.
1: Yeah, yeah, I could understand why. And so uh, I know... Um, uh, certainly, there is a um, there's a, a huge benefit of working for a uh, privately held company. Uh, core values typically uh, um, come into play there, and so I know Jonathan. Many employers do focus focus on their core values to be sure they find and retain the right people. So, how does Strack use that in their hiring process?
2: Well, we had to really sit down and define who we were as we grew. And that was, you know, we had a set of well-known core values that, that were known by everybody that had been in the business because that flowed from the family. We had a long running employees. We were not typically a fast growing company. So, you know, it, it learned through osmosis or tribally, you know, and it, it got handed down effectively. Well, One of the things we figured out as we started to grow is, you know, how do you replicate you and all these folks uh, that you're bringing on board and and make sure you're still a special place to be? Um, So we sat down to find our core values. So we're better every day, mindful in everything, humble hearts, open hands, and everyone matters. Those are our core values. Wow. Um, And trying to really, teach the team right now um to make every decision around those that framework or those core values so you know it kind of went hand in hand with the attraction or attracting and retaining retaining talent um and recruitment and what, what, what we came up with was we decided we wanted to do our own management training our own leadership training mm-hmm. we came up with our own uh leadership training program we call it frontline leadership training it's six days of training um with cohorts of 20 to 30 people and we're going to put everybody in the business from pretty much a lead man up through you know a ceo we're all going to go through the training together sure and what it's about it's really two halves of the coin it's teaching uh, what's our standard professionally uh we take a job from acquisition. We schedule it. We track it. We close it out. Um, so everybody in the business gets some appreciation for every other position in the company. Like our first one, we did. Um, we did a bid letting. So we had guys that they may run a finish crew. You know, they may run a, a skid steer and a dozer and a couple of guys, and they're having a bid a job all of a sudden. So they get a lot of appreciation for what the guys in the office have to do and disseminate a whole lot in a hurry, you know? (laughs) So, um, but the other half of the coin is the personal side, the soft skill side. You know, we want to relate to some household budget and, you know, if, if your house, if your household finances at home are in disarray, how do we expect you to take care of our dollars? Um, we want to do some career coaching, some goal setting, uh, teach folks about how to properly communicate on the job, written, spoken, how to do an interview. Um, we definitely, uh, we, we, we've got a culture that is not typical. Um, and we want to make sure that gets reflected by all our leadership. So that's, it's really six days of teaching who we are and what's our standard, um, from, you know, uh, professional standard attitude and ethics.
1: Yeah, Eric. From your perspective, uh, similar to uh, similar question, uh, how do you find uh, that you, as CFO, are, are embodying those core values that Jonathan mentioned in your hiring process?
0: Yeah, I mean, a lot of this, obviously, as Jonathan said, we uh, we use that as a filter as we're looking to hire folks. I think there, there's always some of the professional stuff you can teach, but finding the right person with that character that shares those values with you is really important. And so, you know, as I evaluate talent on my team. That's something we look at and try to coach around. And I try to, you know, embody those things to the best of my ability on, sure. on an every day. Sure. So, and, and it's just about being intentional about it and trying to, to recognize it. One thing I do talk to my team about is that we're not an accounting company that also does construction. We're really here to serve the construction business. So right. we're a construction company. We happen to be a piece of the wheel. And I think just recognizing where you fit in the organization is important and to help, you know, looking at mindful and everything that's talking about, not just worrying about what's going on in accounting, but think about, you know, these folks have other responsibilities they have to look at and serve. And so just working through that.
1: And I think I've found Eric, once you start uh, sharing those core values in the interviewing process, a lot of times you find people that just don't feel a fit, right? And they'll self-select out as well. Has that been your
0: experience as well? That has been some historically. Yes. So I think it's important. You you know, if you kind of talk about, Hey, these are the things we're doing, then you get someone else talking about, Hey, I really want to advance quickly. or I really want money. Then it pretty much doesn't line up. We're not just about making money at Strack. Right. It's it's about the, about the culture, about the fit. Sure. Sure.
1: Excellent points. Um, Jonathan, as you have built the organization, um, are there any particular hiring methods that seem to work well at strack incorporated
2: well as we started growing 6 or 7 years ago pretty heavily uh, one of the things i had to get used to was social media typically in our industry you know my view was stay off social media cuz you don't want to attract any needless attention to what you're doing um it's already risky business but really anything that's on a social media platform that's your best attraction and retention tool mm-hmm. um, And that really legitimizes what you're doing now. Um, We've gotten business based off our social media presence, you know, especially uh, when we started grading. We've been primarily a pipe contractor, you know, most of my life. And as we started doing earthwork, that was a, a definite change in perception for the industry. And, you know, as we were trying to win some work, I'd have conversations with, really large clients that said hey we see what you're doing on social media you look like you know what you're doing we trust you you've been in business 70 something years and and uh we've worked with you before in other places so hey come on we're we're willing to give you a shot and that really perked me up and surprised me so I've become a lot more open to exposing ourselves to what we do um and I think I mean, the other piece is you got to be willing to accept some failure and learn from it. Um, sure. That we've definitely had some of that along the way. But,
1: yeah. Um, growing up in an era where there uh, were, were no mobile phones, yeah, uh, no internet, let alone uh, no social media. I've, I like you. I have my own stories about social media, and uh, you know, thank goodness I've got uh, uh, one or two people uh that are that are in their 30s and and can guide me in those in those processes but uh um like you i struggled with instagram uh and uh and all the things that have to do with social media
2: yeah and i and i think you know for construction just changing our perception of who we are and what we are is a big deal i mean we're not well thought of by the public. I mean, when you think of construction, a lot of people think about, you know, the home remodeling guy that ran off with the work half done with all their money, you know, and that's not us, you know, and trying to really expose ourselves to high school students, college students, even middle and elementary school students and explain, Hey, you know, we've got marketing folks, we've got accounting folks, we've got surveying folks, you know, there's any other, legitimate business that has all these positions we have them too i mean we we, i had a young man he runs our lube truck and he just he's 22 or 23 and he he just was not feeling it he he says look you know i don't i don't know where my path is but he has this passion for photography i said look you know we spend a lot of money every year paying for a photographer to come out and document our stuff you know make social media content for us. If you obviously know what you're doing, what do you want? Make me a wish list. I'll buy the equipment and let's work you into a full-time position. I already pay for it. Anyway, you're here. You love it. You know, us, you represent us. Well, you and your brother work for us. Come on, let's do it. Wow. Wow.
1: That's a great story. So, uh, um, I do know construction has a reputation. I can so relate because I come from a banking background Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, uh, bankers, uh, uh, are, uh, uh, challenged. Uh, there are some great bankers out there, but also banking in general, is just kind of a, kind of a hard press, uh, process to go through. Uh, Eric, it's, uh, it's one thing to attract top talent. Uh, but how, in your view, does Strack retain that talent in the company?
0: Yeah. So, uh, retention, retention has been tough just in this market, particularly in the field. I think uh, a lot of construction has high turnover and uh, we're not that different as it comes to that. And that, that's one thing we have really focused on. We've had to, as we've tried to grow, we've also had to, had to replace, but I think, you know, the, the key things we look at is, you know, we start training from day one. So a lot of folks from an orientation perspective, they may come in, have you just signed some papers? We're running a four day orientation program right now. You come in, you learn the standard operating procedures for the company, you get safety training. You have an opportunity to go through, we've got equipment simulators to get familiar, familiarization with the equipment. And so, you know, really making that investment starting in day one. And I think living out our core values, that's that's something that's that's key to trying to retain them. If we've sold them on something, it's important that we live that out and they're able to see that demonstrated to hold on to them. I think Jonathan touched a little bit on the on the training. So we've got this frontline leadership training program we've built. We're also building an operator training program where we've promoted four guys from inside the business, and they're going to go out and help on the job sites to help train and really bring up the, uh, the level of experience and understanding to some of the newer employees, because part of this you know, attracting new talent means we might be looking at folks from other industries. And so part of that's just trying to help increase the, uh, the knowledge base out there. And then, you know, some other things we've done is we've got cha- we got a uh, marketplace chaplains. So we have a chaplain service mm. to really demonstrate the care. And, uh, you know, at this point, Jonathan's not able to talk to every employer. You know, historically, he could take calls consistently. But at this point, it's, it's making sure that that message is out there. We care. And how can we help you there?
1: We've yeah, got, we uh, had that at a, a bank that I worked at, too. And that made a world of difference because there was a point in time when I had lost my father and was – going through a grieving
0: process and so that
1: that is wonderful
0: yeah. and i think something else that's, that's kind of unique here is we have a charitable gift matching so any employee any any charitable gift giving they, they make the company will match that and that is there's a limit set for just normal charities as it comes to tithing it's unlimited so just really pushing further on the values and demonstrating from our actions yeah. that those are we're going to live those out yeah that's awesome We're
1: talking today with Jonathan Strack and Eric Cooley with Strack Inc. Founded in 1948, Strack Inc. is a heavy civil contractor focused on delivering value-driven project solutions, advanced industry training, and workforce development in the Southeast. Uh, They provide grading and excavation, pipeline construction, trenchless boring, and, and many other things. They're committed to delivering quality infrastructure built by an equipped and empowered team of nearly 600 employees and Jonathan what a what a great uh, legacy that you're continuing to leave and will will do into future generations uh, but I'm curious how in your view have your hiring and retention processes evolved through the years
2: well <laughs> most of your hiring in years past was either referral and you still have a fair bit of that but used to be you'd have guys walk in your front door want to fill out an application um it was a very organic process you might put an ad out in the local newspaper or in the atlanta journal constitution but now uh (laughs) you get very few people that way and if they're coming in the front door those are probably not the guys you want to hire honestly in today's environment um not saying that doesn't ever happen but by and large uh you know like i talked about earlier we you know you've got social media platforms you do paid ads um we actually have a human resources software now that helps us post some of our jobs we've gotten a lot of traction that way um we have a full-time recruiter on staff full-time that calls and vets folks before we ever uh really ever get them to an interview um and the team itself, you know, they pretty well supply the needs to the recruiter, and and between HR and recruitment, they disseminate the needs uh, back out to the guys as they do interviews. Um, we've got paid billboard advertisements right now. I mean, we're we're trying we're trying things we've never tried before just to get some attention to us. I mean, we've got three three or four billboards at the i eighty five corridor right now i've never never thought i would do that um i never um i never liked talking about us you know we're we're pretty humble as a whole and that always used to appear arrogant to me but now it's out of necessity i've got to try whatever i can you know regardless of what what i may or may not be comfortable with you know because we don't know what works right now we're having to learn
1: yeah and i uh uh so Eric I think uh, if if you say it sometimes it can be taken as bragging but I'm sure if your employees are saying it that's that's testimony and so I'm wondering from from your perspective um, how do you maybe engage your workforce in looking for people just like them uh, to send your way as well
0: right yeah a lot of that is given our employee that that experience so they do want to do the referrals. And then we do have an employee referral program to where the, the employees are rewarded for bringing new employees on board. I think we're working on an internal communications app. It'll actually be an application on your phone. And I think given that connectivity, you know, to really, they get the consistent message all the way throughout the organization uh, will, will help the employees that may not get to, to see everything or be aware of everything to really make them more aware of what's going on in the company and then want to invite their friends or other, other folks to join them. So I think, you know, that communication is big and really the encouragement to bring folks more, more like yourself to come to the company is, is how I, I see that. Sure. Turn out.
1: Sure. Absolutely. So just in case we have any potential great employees who might be uh, out there, let's uh, let's use the profit sense podcast too. Jonathan, Eric, what's the best way if there's someone interested in coming to work for a great company like Strack Inc, how should they get in touch with you?
2: I'll take it. Yeah, I mean, the best way you can get on the website, put an applicate, put an app in. Um, you can always message us on any social media platform, and that's monitored full time um, by by folks we have on staff. So, in really any public facing portal we have, whether it's LinkedIn, Facebook, website, shoot us a message, put in an application, and we'll, we'll call you back pretty promptly.
1: And Eric, what's the website address for the company? It's www.stracinc.com. Great. Jonathan, Eric, thanks so much for coming on ProfitSense today and, and sharing your experience and your expertise. And congratulations on uh, uh, building uh, a company with an employee base of 600 people. That's, uh, that's quite an accomplishment.
2: Congratulations.
0: Thank you for inviting us. Thank you.
1: And so, Chris Smith. Chris is with uh, C.B. Smith & Associates. Uh, Chris, so glad to have you. Um, For our listeners, uh, tell us a little bit about C.B. Smith & Associates. Uh, You've got uh, headquarters in Alpharetta, but also Macon in the Lake Oconee area. Uh, As an accounting and business advisory firm, what do you do for businesses and individuals?
3: Uh, yes, thanks, Bill. Uh, um, you know, so CB Smith is celebrating their twentieth year um, being in business. Uh, I started CB Smith in the uh, coming area uh, back in two thousand three, and uh, and we've slowly grown over the years. Um, today, we're a full service firm. I have a partner uh, at the firm. His name's Tim Whittemore. Uh, and we have um, office, you know, as you mentioned, we had offices in, in Macon and here in Alpharetta and uh, and we have a satellite office in the Lake Oconee area. Uh, today, we're a full service firm. Uh, we do audit work, we do reviews, we do uh, tax planning, uh, business advisory services, uh, and of course, tax compliance work for our clients. Uh, but one of the areas that we've really focused in on over the, um, gosh, since um, two thousand and seven time frame is um you know moving accounting into a paperless environment uh and once accounting gets into a paperless environment uh it's all Xs and Os and then you can do things like process automation uh really really um automate processes uh and improve collaboration amongst team members and and hopefully help to make a business more scalable um, I'm a big philosoph- you know from a philosophical standpoint i'm a big believer in uh the things that got you out of uh, Egypt are not the same things that will get you to the promised land and uh and so uh, well we we love working with businesses that are at that stage they've they've hit a ceiling of complexity uh and um they're trying to figure out what are those things that'll get us to the promised land and so we help them by implementing. Uh, and retooling uh, the accounting function. Uh, we're a big believer that the accounting function shouldn't be an anchor on the business. It should be a driver of growth. And, and so we try to work with our clients from that standpoint. So we've got some young folks at the firm that are taking advantage of these, you know, no code, low code uh, solutions that are out there, uh, Power Apps, and m- mostly for the Microsoft pl- platform, uh, that um, takes those X's and O's, or those I's, and you know, you know, those uh, ones and zeros, and uh, and really uh, starts to, uh, you know, you know, build a better process for 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 our, cl- our clients and their business processes, improves internal controls in the, in the business. And, uh, and hopefully that leads to growth and that's where we come in and help them from a tax planning standpoint.
1: Yeah. Now, uh, you're, you're preaching to the choir here when you start talking about processes. One of the things that I've found in working with my clients is rarely do I see processes in writing. Uh, and if they're (laughs) in writing, are they being followed? And so, uh, uh, when you started talking about business process automation, uh, that's like uh, documented processes on steroids. Uh, but tell us a little bit more about that because I think you've really carved a niche in the marketplace with business process automation, haven't you?
3: Yeah. Yes. We we certainly uh, you know we we really love working with our clients from that standpoint and. You know, putting everything on its side, you know, the documents uh, is an example, uh, you know, having a, uh, you know, SOP document and all in binders and everything to that effect. We integrate it into the process. It is part of the, the documentation is the process. So if, if someone gets to a form and how do I fill this out or what am I doing with this, um, it, it can have a help menu item that just shows up and it, it is here's here's our policy. This is how this works. So, so we integrate it into the tools that are in place. You know, we're historically speaking, you have your software and then you'd have your policy document. and And so now the software and the policy document become one. And and with the low code and, and, and no code uh, you know development that can be done just by accountants, um, uh, you're able to now integrate those things together, and there, it's it's flexible, it's agile. As as the business um, changes, the environment for the business changes, you can change your policies and integrate it right into the app right at the same time. It also eliminates so much human error that may be in place, uh, especially with. You know, if you do have a document, a lot of times they come in electronically um, as it is, but even if they're scanned in, you can OCR, artificial intelligence is, you know, sometimes it can be scary for folks, but it's here and leverage it. And so if you have an AI that can sit there and read a document and know it's an invoice from a particular vendor and knows where to go look on that invoice for the amount, when it's due, so on and so forth, use the AI, let that do there. And, and, and then your people, instead of becoming data entry clerks, they're reviewing what the AI does, make sure it's good, and once that's in there, and again ones and zeros, you don't have any room for human error later on down the road. That you have the, the integrity of your data really improves, and, and there's a lot of a lot of benefits in terms of um, you know efficiency. So the the business can focus on and on what it does and reduce its administrative costs. Accordingly. Yeah,
1: yeah, I can uh, really see uh, the benefit of not only improving efficiency but also improving effectiveness. Um, I can't talk to a CPA with talk without talking about taxes. Uh, taxes come up, um, and and so I'm going to insert a little personal bias here. So uh, businesses that uh, have a tax strategy that minimizes taxable income make them very difficult bank lending customers which which coming from a banking background so that's that's my bias that I have to get over but I do know tax planning is a big part of your business Um, what do you see as tax planning Uh, how do you do it and then, uh, why is it important for small business t- mm-hmm. to do
3: tax planning? Mm-hmm. Our, our first, you know, first philosophy is: you know, first off, we're going to be your advocate for our clients. Um, tax planning is important, but tax planning isn't the end all be all. Um, improving your wealth is the end all be all, and so we're not going to implement or suggest a, a tax solution that isn't necessarily. Uh, in line with uh, you know improving our clients' overall financial well-being, and uh, and so that's it's always secondary to financial well-being, uh, but it's a very important piece. Uh, we're in a segment we're not you know um, we're not a large national firm, so we don't have a lot of clients that are publicly traded or anything like that. Our clients don't have investors to impress; uh, they got to impress the bank every once in a while, but uh, but you know. So, so our focus is going to be on tax planning. It's, it's a heavy part of our relationships with our clients. Uh, and, you know, that's, that is the business we're in, by the way, is the relationship business. We may be accountants, but that's what it is. And, um, and so we're going to work with our clients um, to ensure that their financial well-being is in place and they're doing it in as a tax-efficient manner as possible. Uh, and, um, um, and if there's a, a, you know, if they have some, they need a, a source of funding, uh, because of some sort of a uh, you know new uh, business plan, new venture that they're going to move into, then we'll work with our clients and we'll work with the bankers and, and make sure the bankers understand. You know these are things that we're doing from a tax perspective, so let's let's make some adjustments according you know accordingly, so you can get a better picture of what the, the cash flow uh, you know would be for the organization, so you can make better lending decisions from that standpoint. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Um, so the baby boomer
1: generation business owners are retiring in droves. Uh, they've been successful. Uh, they're wanting to exit. So talk a little bit about how uh, CB Smith and Associates helps business owners with succession planning.
3: Yeah, certainly there is a time frame. Each business is, sits at a different life cycle, and then all businesses are different. You we're dealing with clients that are startups; that are in that front end stage cash is really tight. They're in a high growth environment. Uh, we're trying to help them with business process uh, automation to, to uh, leverage the, the tools that are out there. Then we have clients that uh, maybe are at that little more mature stage, uh, but they're, they're ready to go another 10, 15 years. Uh, and so that's where tax planning comes into play uh, that's where we're thinking about okay how can we minimize your tax as much as possible so that's available cash to you reinvest in the business or or you know harvest from the business uh, and then and then we have clients that are very mature uh, you know multi-generational businesses uh, and uh, and you know they're dealing with other issues where they, they've just got more pieces of the pie that they have to spread out and uh and so, how do they manage growth from that standpoint? But then we have folks that you know they're not ready to pass it on to the next generation. Uh, they're they're looking for some sort of a succession plan, uh, and and the key to them is is planning ahead, of schedule. It's it's a it's a five year look. That's that's where we change our strategy. We're not necessarily interested in in maximizing the tax benefits that they may be receiving, but we're interested in making sure that business looks like a Nice rose on the bush and it's ready to be plucked off, you know. So, so we're we're going to help our clients from that standpoint. You know, we're going to make sure that you know, okay. Let's maybe we don't take those deductions, those benefits that you've been taking in the past. Uh, let's see what we can do to improve the, um, the the cash flow from the business to the owners. We often refer to it as ebitda. And sometimes it's different. It depends on the business. So it could be a heavy asset business, got a lot of assets to it. Or it could be a business that doesn't have much of a balance sheet at all. And it's more of a service business. Uh, so we're going to look at those aspects and and make sure that that business is in a good position so they can maximize value out of it. What are they doing from a management standpoint? You know this really well. What are they doing from a management standpoint? So the business is not defined by the owner. right? It's defined by the team. And, uh, and so that's, that isn't, that really, you know, enhances value of that business uh, from that standpoint. And that, that's, that's a philosophy you should have, even if, even if you're not looking to sell the business, uh, make the business work for you, you not work for the business, but, um, but we're, we're going to work with them and make sure that uh, they're, they're, they have the right mindset in terms of what they're doing. And then we'll have conversations with them. To, you know, they are going to cash it. How do you handle that? What's, What's the estate going to look like? You know, you know, what are we looking at in terms of the value of the estate, and how's that going to um, go? You know, uh, how's the how are those assets going to get passed on? How's it going to get taxed when you die? Um, And having some conversations on that. uh, Also, having conversations: how do you want you want to sell it to a a competitor, or do you want to sell to your employees? We're working with a company right now; it's a civil engineering firm, and uh, we're working with them to potentially have a tax free. Uh, sale with through an ESOP. And, uh, and so we're going to have those, you know, conversations with the clients. Here are the benefits. Here are the, uh, this is, this is how much of a squeeze you need to make to get the juice out of the fruit per se. This is what's going to be involved to administratively to be able to get those benefits. Um, uh, We had another client that was in uh, the chemical business, uh, that they're getting ready to be bought out by a competitor right now, and and there was a big discussion as to whether it was going to be a stock sale or an asset sale, and it, an asset sale was going to cost them about an additional eight hundred thousand dollars in in uh, in tax, and so that's that's an important conversation to have with your client, saying hey, we need to have an understanding of this, and that may need to be a renegotiation that you have with the buyer. It says, you know, not only do we have the eight hundred thousand dollars in tax uh, associated with an asset sale, but um, you know, we also have capital gains on the eight hundred thousand dollars. So, so you know, we we probably need to have close to a million dollars in additional uh, compensation from the sale of the business. And and uh, fortunately, they it was a nice business, so they, they the buyer you know agreed to that. So, yeah,
1: that's great. We're talking today with Chris Smith, who's president of C.B. Smith & Associates. Chris has over 30 years of financial experience, passionate about his work since founding the accounting firm in 2003. He's led the firm's growth from one to three offices in Georgia to include 35 employees with a solid team. Um, C.B. Smith & Associates is a business advisory and full-service accounting firm that works in tandem with its sister company, Reliance Payroll, which is a full service payroll and human resources outsourcing firm. Um, Chris, last question. um, Today, what are some tax law changes in Georgia
3: that individuals or businesses need to know this year? Certainly. uh, You know, thanks for asking that question. There have been some recent tax law changes here in, in Georgia. Um, And, uh, um, you know, we just we just had a a little internal we have a first Friday program with all of our staff first Friday of every month. Everyone gets together and we talk about recent changes. So so we just literally just last Friday had a conversation about some tax law changes here in Georgia. So it's kind of still somewhat fresh in my head. The, The 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 big piece that we have, there's a couple pieces. Uh, one is, uh, in last year, uh, Georgia passed what was called a pass through entity election law that allowed for, uh, S corporations in particular, and some partnerships, uh, to, um, um, elect to be treated as a C corporation, uh, for Georgia tax purposes. And the benefit to that, um, has to do with the S corporation partnership owners, personal tax returns, because, uh, state taxes, when you itemize your deductions on the federal return, state taxes are limited to ten thousand uh, dollars. And so, if you have a business of any worthiness, that <laughs> you can quickly exceed that. Especially if you own a house and you got property taxes of five, six thousand dollars, you know, before you know it, you've hit that ten thousand dollar threshold. So, so what this election does is it allows the Georgia income to be taxed at the entity level, and it becomes a deduction for business, trade and business purposes. purposes, And it eliminates it from your itemized deductions. And, of course, the income on your personal Georgia return that was taxed at the entity level is excluded from your income on your personal return. So so there's a lot of benefits to that. One problem we had with this is that it was limited – uh, the partnerships that could participate that in that was limited. Uh, you had to have certain uh, qualifications in order to be able to do that. And so, uh, uh Georgia has amended that law as, uh, I think it's House Bill 415. Uh, yep, that, that did that. So they have amended House Bill, uh, House Bill 415 to allow all partnerships to participate into that, in that election, uh, beginning in 2023. 2023 tax year. So that's a big benefit for, for some of those, those businesses that, that were out there that, that just couldn't, if it was a partnership arrangement, they couldn't do it. We had a couple clients that just couldn't do it from that standpoint, just to the nature of the partners that are in the partnership. Uh, the other change that was been made, uh, and of course, this is, this is um, you know good news if, if you're one that um, likes paying less tax to the state of Georgia, the House, uh, uh, house Bill 454 was just passed. And with that, the individual rate is going down. Uh, in prior years, the Georgia tax rate for both corporations and individuals was five point seven five percent, and uh, Georgia's uh, individual rate is going to go down to four point I'm sorry, five point four nine percent in twenty twenty four, and then every year after that, it will go down another tenth of a point, and it will rest in twenty twenty nine at four point nine nine percent. So. That's a that's a good benefit for a lot of individuals. The other things that changed uh, for individuals is the Georgia standard deduction for filing married filing jointly uh, individuals has gone to twenty four thousand dollars, and the standard deduction for um, all others, you know, filing single, married single, head of household, this have has moved over to twelve thousand dollars. So, so those are some of the changes that that have. Just in the last legislative session, have been passed, and and so we're going to see some benefits from that uh, going forward.
1: Yeah! Wow, tax rates going actually going down a yeah. little bit. What a concept, um, Chris. If someone has accounting questions or needs to get in touch with you uh, for some accounting advice, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you?
3: Yeah, so so website's a great place to go to. Uh, you know, you could be a very small business just getting started. Uh, you know, you're, you're trying to, you know, conserve every dollar you can go to our website, sign up for a newsletter. We send out articles. We do blog posts monthly on various topics. Uh, A lot of great articles on our website about starting a business. Um, If you're at a different stage in in your business and, and, you know, taxes becoming a problem, business is growing, uh, you know, feel free to uh, reach out to us. You know, there's, there's a couple of links on the website uh, to, uh, uh, inquire with us and we'll have one of our senior level tax managers uh, will call you up and uh, have a conversation about how we can help you and how we can build a relationship with you from that standpoint. That's great. And that web address is? Yes, it's uh, CB Smith and Associates. So it is www.cbsmithcpa.com. And that's our website. And of course, as uh, our your previous guests here had mentioned, we, we are also looking for talent in the area and, and, and we work uh, um, with uh, a lot of the universities and schools, but we're also looking for senior level talent as well uh, that would help uh, fuel our growth. We're a big believer that the players bring the fans. And so our employees will, you know, the quality of our employees bring in, bring in clients and help us with growth. And, and so we encourage anyone that may be interested in in joining the team to go out to our website as well. You can go to about us and there's a link there for join the team. And we'd love to, have an opportunity to speak with you.
1: That's great. Chris, thanks so much for coming on Profit Sense today. Thank you. I want to take a minute to talk a little bit about liquidity. You've heard the uh, idea that cash is king, Uh, and there is one liquidity rule that I think every business owner should know. Every business owner understands that cash is critical to running a business But knowing how much cash is needed leaves many business owners confused and frustrated. I worked with a professional services firm that uh, was a practice with three locations. Their revenue came from professional services that were reimbursed by insurance. Insurance companies, as we all know, are notoriously slow, and this practice found themselves with at least half of their receivables over 90 days. No one was accountable for collections, and they were forced to borrow from very expensive lending sources just to fund payroll. Quickly, we put the internal accountant in charge of collections. She blocked time on her calendar daily to make collection calls. In the next six weeks, the amount of over 90-day receivables was reduced to about 10% of the total. That was a $100,000 cash impact to that firm. And the firm's cash balance doubled because of it. They no longer had to borrow and saved a significant amount of interest expense. Another firm who works in the manufacturing space was able to increase their cash balance simply by requiring a fifty per cent deposit for their product up front that way they were fronting they weren't fronting all of their uh, all of their costs, no matter how you achieve it. My recommendation is that fifteen to twenty days' sales is a good number. Take your annual sales, divide it by three sixty, then divide that number into your cash balance. So if you have $5 million in revenue, that's about $14,000 a day. To have 15-day sales in cash, your cash balance would need to average about $210,000. If you're struggling with liquidity, work with your finance person to find out how to improve your cash balance and take action. If you want to keep up with the latest in pro-business news, follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram at The Profitability Coach. If you want to listen to past or future Profit Sense episodes, you can find us on ProfitSenseRadio.com. This is Profit Sense with Bill McDermott signing off. Make it a great day.